good is it? I can't quite put my finger on it, but my love of rugby league returned this weekend. Uh, I'll seek to find out why as we get through this episode, but uh, enjoyable week of rugby league, Diagi, Barney and uh, Oliver with you to talk all things that happened over that uh, enjoyable rugby league and some unenjoyable incidents too uh, that we'll discuss as we get through it. Oliver, how's, how's life treating you? Uh, well, my team stinks and is going to win the wooden spoon, so pretty good. Yeah, your team does stink and he's going to win the wooden spoon. Uh, Barney? <laughs> Something to look forward to. How you going, Diagi? He's going to Good weekend. Saturday night was something different. Yeah. Good night. Managed have... to miss most of the Sharks game, so I ended up going home and watching it 1am in the morning, <laughs> oh, <did laughs> which, you? Was, which was something. I'm sure it all sunk in as you went. But, um, yeah, no, it was good, mate. Yes, this, uh, really good really good weekend and, um, yeah, some enjoyable times had on a Saturday night with you and a few other people. So. Yeah, fine weekend. I think the stars were the uh, the mustard encrusted lamb rack and the potato salad from one in the stand, so. Yeah, seems to be. So, uh, well done, all involved in the cook-off. But uh, uh, should we talk some footy? Uh, it was sure. an enjoyable night. But um, Oliver's been in charge of the news this week, which I guess I'll bring up and read at some point. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, should we start? Let's start from the start, eh? Um, Probably a good place to start. Yeah. Injury news. Jackson Hastings out for the season with his broken ankle. And uh, as is Bubba Kennedy, who looks like might be back about round 25 at the earliest. Kyle Feltz pulled a hamstring and got two weeks. I assume um, pretending to bump into someone. Moses, <laughs> uh, broken finger. We're back in finals. Jed Cartwright, two weeks with a hamstring. Nick Manny's waiting on some concussion Protocols, as is Lindsay Collins, Andrew Davey, and Hunt. Harris Tavita, MCL, looks like that might be it for him. I can't imagine I'm trying to rush anyone back there anyway. Uh, on the back of all that, Milford, a fine. Sewer, a fine at the judiciary. Tamalolo, a fine. Uh, Burgess, a careless high tackle, grade one, one match. Uh, guilt, uh, played a guilty, taken a one match ban. And as has, uh, is Egan Butcher? Which Butcher was it? Egan, yeah. The three big talking points, I suppose. First of all, Nathan Cleary, five-match early guilty plea. Uh, thoughts on the tackle and the incident? Oh, wait, we might just save the actual incident. Ah, fuck it, who cares? Thoughts on the tackle and the incident, Byron? Oh, it's a horrible tackle. Um, everything in the book that could, he could have been marked against him happened. The, the hand went in between the legs. Bad position, and then he came down on top of him with a shoulder to the head just to add to it, so... Tick, 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 and then five weeks is probably about fair enough. I think I, I think you'd go pretty. Uh, you'd have to travel pretty far unless you live in Penrith to find someone who disagrees with the with the four or five week marks. Ollie, yeah, I think it's probably around the right call. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was a, a horrific tackle. I was shocked though to see Nathan Cleary get sent off. I thought he'd get the standard ten in the bin on report, and then um, his fate would be decided after the game. But um, I just hope it remains consistent. Well, I hope we don't see a tackle like that ever again, to be honest, but we, we probably will. And I just hope that the rulings remain consistent because I think five weeks is probably fair for most cases. I think we've seen a bit less in the past. I think we've seen more depending on the player. So I hope this is sort of a, uh, a neutral ground that we've come to for that. Yeah, I um, I was all revved up and ready to 
rant about how he wasn't sent off and he got sent off. So I was happy. <laughs> Can't complain. I think five weeks is fair enough as well. And uh, I guess we'll all move on. We all agree. I can't imagine. Let's we'll quickly touch on it, and we'll touch on it more as we get to the game. Uh, the, the the new thing in our is all the Penrith fans saying how great it is. The halves aren't going to be around for six weeks. In what world is that a good thing in a finals preparation? Can you explain that to me? Well, I guess the one thing that I think would actually lead a lot of Penrith fans to say that is that they were pretty much at what 75% until finals time in 2021. So, and obviously they came back fresh off the back of that. So I feel like that's the mentality of a lot of Penrith fans that Luai and Cleary will be out. They'll come back in what won't be around 25 first week of the finals. I think Cleary was out until about round 23 or something last year as well. And Luai spent a bit of time on the bench. So I take it. It's just sort of, um, going along with that narrative of last year and remaining hopeful. But, no, it's not a good thing. Barn? Oh, obviously a fitness thing. Um, any niggles that they were carrying should be sorted by then, five or six weeks down the track. Um, Lua is an interesting one because coming back off a of peck, um, you can't really work that in the next four or five weeks. So he's probably going to lose a bit of strength in and around the chest and arms. So that, that, that can't be helpful. Um, the continuity thing doesn't help either. If they're coming back two weeks before finals, yeah, you'd probably give it a tick and say that's fine. They've got three weeks to really hit their straps. But coming straight back into the pressure cooker of finals, I can't see it being a great thing. The, the only sort of benefit that they have is they're not going to get knocked out the first week of finals. So they've got sort of one game to get back into tune. But, um, yeah, there's going to be a bit of pressure in and around them come finals time. Yeah, I realistically can see them dropping maybe three games in the lead-up to finals. Uh, mm-hmm. If their halves play like they did against the Tigers, uh, and I assume they're going to have an extended run, uh, Tigers should have beaten them, really, uh, if all things, uh, you know, on a, maybe Fisher-Harris and a couple of, uh, let's say, uh, non-decisions helped. But um, if they turn up against some yourselves of the world in the next few weeks, it's game on there, and that's they won't be dropping games. I know, like, do you just forget about that and just assume whatever happens in round one is what going to happen. I think I don't think that's too, too a bridge too far. We saw with Melbourne last year, like they had they cooked out on their twenty one streak. Uh, but I guess we'll see. You'd really like to see, as I said, have two or three games before finals just to make sure they get. You know, there's going to be a bit of rust coming back, considering they've been out for five weeks. So. Well, I've been I've been um, championing a twist, and I got one. So hey, we're going to at least it's a bit of interest. <laughs> So Absolutely. at least we have interest now that hey every Penrith game is interesting and even heading in the finals you've there's now you know there's now cracks I'm not saying it's <laughs> we're all drowning but there is cracks in the Penrith side that maybe can uh, can lead to something the um, other two uh, two big ones are Warrior Hargraves got fined uh, for direct contact with the head on the ground of an undefended player but you know that's fine. And as did Nelson Asafa Solomona, who apparently uh, broke contact. Uh, unfortunately, breaking contact was to then uh, let, throw his entire 128 kilo frame on top of the bloke's head and break his teeth. But um, he got a he got a fine as well. Another that was just uh, the Graham Annesley story for this week to follow up his um, fairy tale last week. So, uh, any thoughts on those two? 
Oh, it's absolute grubbery, mate. Like, like how they both didn't get at least a week. Nelson probably should have got four, five, six weeks. That was pathetic. Mm. The way that he arched himself up off the ground and threw his entire weight, threw his forearm into a bloke's face, cracks his teeth, could have broken his jaw, could have broken cheekbones, nose, could have fucking done all sorts of damage. And it was, in, you can't tell me that wasn't fucking intentional. No. That was one of the worst acts of the weekend. Like, you're going to get. Carrigan's going to get rubbed out five or six how far weeks. Up, I know yeah, actually, yeah. he breaks a leg. How, how far, whatever, apart from the fact he had the ball, no how far different is that to Mitch Barnett at the start of the year? It's, realistically, it's fucking not. Except for the fact <laughs> he has a ball. Barnett's contact was probably even less than what, yeah. what Solomon has done to this bloke. He's yeah. cracked his teeth. Like, the amount of force it would take to crack your, crack your teeth across the front, and then now I'm, I'm surprised it didn't crack his jaw or break his nose or something else to go along with it. It was They were both pretty grubby acts, and I thought Nelson's was pretty pathetic, to be honest. Yeah. I need to add all of them. Yeah, well, just on um, Nelson's hit there, Wade Egan actually had to go get um, a bit of dental done. So I think at the very least... Um, Nelson should be covering any costs that may, may ensue for his um for his dental work. I mean, you, if you sent if you're sending a bloke to the dentist, I mean, th- there's something that's gone wrong. And last time I checked as well, the tooth it was, was intentional. That's the worst part about it. Yeah, yeah it's completely intentional. You knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, the tooth's inside your head, and the rules that we've been taught for so long now is you don't make contact with the head. So I think if the bloke's tooth's been chipped or it's come off or whatever. It, Come out. What if you knocked him out cold? Would he have gotten fucking two weeks mm. for knocking him okay. out? Like, if he had broken his jaw, would he have been given a month? Uh, I, I reckon it was three to four weeks minimum for, for that. That was fucking disgusting in my eyes. Hitting a bloke on the ground who's held there by another bloke. You, you throw your whole force into the middle of his face. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I thought both deserved two weeks at least. I'm not on the match review committee. I don't think the match review committee knows what's happening anymore, to be honest. It's intentionally attacking somebody's head. That should be yes. on its own worth a week or two. And the rest of the shit. Well, yeah, compared to, like, yes, Tom Burgess was reckless. and uh, um, But there was more malice in those two acts than Burgess. Oh, absolutely. He was coming across trying to make a tackle. These blokes are attacking blokes and laying on the ground on their back. Yep. <laughs> to and prove a point, to be big and tough or fucking whatever you want to Anyway. Yeah. It's crazy. Didn't we um didn't we have like a judiciary reset at the start of the year where everyone was on an even kill so we didn't have discrepancy in the Yeah, no carryover points in, in the different calls? Like I mean, come on. They they don't know what they're doing anymore. It's I, I don't you know. There, yeah, there really? is no there is no logic to it. Anymore. Saw magic magic round last year how they carried on about how the head's sacrosanct and how they talk about it all year. As soon as you touch someone on the jaw, it's whether it bounces up off the shoulder or whatever, it's pretty much a week for everyone, and then they let that shit go. Yep, I agree. Uh, you have to kick a bloke's head off on the ground to get fucking suspended. Um, which Cam Munster did, in fact, prove. Uh, signing <laughs> news. Uh, David Nofaluma is on loan to Melbourne officially. Oliver Gildart's on loan to the Roosters. Uh, I assume I assume trying to free up some cash more than anything. I think I get it under whatever compensation next year. Although we might, I, I actually don't think we, we talked about no film last week, didn't we? We talked about no film. I think they would. I think, I think it was I think, last week, yeah. I, I, I think the Tigers would be more than happy for him to fucking stay there, to be I, honest, I suspect, and throw out half his money. I suspect exactly that, that um, I think he's on 700 or 750, and I can't say they'll miss him. So 
I think they've got I reckon if Melbourne turned around and offered them three fifty four hundred, they'd go, yeah, keep him. And and they've back ended it so they don't they they can. Well, you know, they've got the discount now. Uh Hampton and Elliot have re oh there that's uh Brendan Elliot, is it? Elliot yeah, uh, yeah, North Queensland. Yeah, uh, North Queensland. Uh, Bofa Mers resigned in twenty twenty six. Leo Thompson resigned twenty twenty five. Fatala Mariner we knew about. Naguam has gone to the UK, and as has uh, Lockie Lamb to play under his father. It's all the news. Anything else we need to touch on? Um, usual bits so. and bobs and no. people whinging about deadlines and loans yeah. and whatever. Well, not necessarily any extra news, but I feel like um, the NRL's finally found out sort of the purpose of its loan system now. Like you look over at the different comps, like whether it's EPL or you look over in Super League and sort of the loan deals are used in a very certain way. And I feel like what we're going to see going forward with these loan deals is a lot of the time we won't see any loan deals at the start of the season. It won't be so a young player can get exposure somewhere else. It's going to be getting to a point where we get to mid-July or whatever and some teams go, right, what do we need? We've got a player out injured, whatever, and just getting someone in for the rest of the year, the last couple, last couple months of the season. I feel like that's sort of... I actually think um, going to be going, and I think it'll become more prevalent in the coming years, which is a lovely thought. But I think Valandis basically came out today and said he's getting rid of it. So, um, yeah, he did come out today and said he wasn't happy with it. He wants to go back to the thirty deadline. Or whatever. Yes. Any thoughts, Bob? Oh, I don't mind it the way it's been going. To be honest, um, at the end of the day, if you if you fill in holes for in your team for the last five weeks it's probably beneficial to the club to the clubs but there is something to be said for the the war of attrition but making sure that you've got a fit firing squad going into finals which adds the twist that sort of you do enjoy at the end of the season so well, realistically looking at it overall i probably probably wouldn't mind seeing um, a deadline of maybe around somewhere around round 16 where it can't continue to happen after that so you know, if you're on your own for the last eight weeks of the season and Got to get in and make it to the finals under your own steam without trying to borrow anybody else. So. Yeah, it's um, I, I sort of agree with both. You know, I, like I don't mind it at all. I don't mind the idea, and obviously clubs aren't just going to let players go that aren't aren't going to suit yeah, their own absolutely. purposes. But I also think that the, the deadlines, the uh, loan system is best served, I guess, with the Harry Grant sort of Momorowski way full where, season. Where you, yeah. Yeah. Sort of offload at the start of the year, looking at it to get someone a year under so to, to maybe again it can suit both parties, which it did in that in that instance. But um, it it gets experience into younger players where you might not necessarily be able to blood them or in a different setup. Yeah, if you look or, realistically, if you do look at it, June thirty was what four weeks ago. So what's that? But it's not that big. It leaves deal. you with eight weeks of the season or nine weeks of the season where you have to you know, just deal with any problems that come up. So June thirty yeah. probably is the best. Best conclusion, realistically. And realistically, in both cases, I think the Tigers anyone's actually taken up on it. No one else is off of anyway. <laughs> the Titans aren't running around trying to get Jaden Campbell a game somewhere, so uh, nor are the are the Warriors who have been asked. So I guess not. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah, anything else we need to debate? Should we just get into? So apparently, players? Carrigan's pled guilty, so he'll get a minimum of four or five weeks. Uh, I That's think six. Oh, I think they're arguing at the moment for a downgrade. But. Yeah, right. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on that throughout the show. Uh, let's get back to Thursday night where um, 
Jeez, it feels like a long time ago. The Roosters 20 defeated the Seagulls 10. Uh, perhaps with some... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> two tries some... for Manly, yeah. three for the Roosters. One out of two conversions played, two out of three for the Roosters and two out of two penalty attempts. 78% completion by Manly, 62% by the Roosters. 32 sets out of 41, played 28 out of 45. Two line breaks to four, 38 tackle busts from both teams, 14 offloads for Manly, 11 for the Roosters. Three force dropouts by Manly, 311 tackles played, 331. One ruck infringement to zero, zero inside defence for Manly, two against the Roosters. Eight penalties conceded to six, 10 errors, Manly 18 for the Roosters and a sin bin for both teams. Jake made 35 tackles. Sam Verrills made 46. Uh, Jake topped the running metres also with 146 running metres and Tupu with 208 for the Roosters. Uh, Paseca missed six tackles, made 26. Walker missed six tackles and made 19. And Joey Manu missed four, made 11. Manu had 101 supercoach points. Tedesco with 72 and Andrew Davey with 71. Yeah, is there much to really take out of this game? I, th- I thought, what I was going to say is, I thought Manly were brave uh, against the Roosters, given the cattle had, but I think there might have been some officiating that was instructed to perhaps go easy at times on them, uh, including the uh, in the first five minutes where they should have played a cent from the field. But anyway. Um, yeah, absolutely. Should have. So that played into their favour. But and Roosters went through the motions. I don't think they were as, probably as destructive as, as we all hoped. Oh, definitely but, in that second half. Yeah, um, yeah they put the queue in the rack then. But um, the usual suspects were the usual suspects, weren't they, Ibar? Yeah, pretty much. As, uh, as you mentioned, mate, I thought Manly scrambled and fought pretty hard at different parts of the game to keep the, keep it as close as it was. And with the Roosters switching off at the back end of the game, that helped keep the scores as close as they were. Um, I was banking on 13+, plus, so I wasn't real happy. <laughs> I wanted the Roosters to just put them away, but that didn't happen. Um, they looked like they could have if they wanted to at any time, really. Uh, Roosters started really quick and they looked a class above for the majority of the game. Um, Seven players doesn't help. The middle for, for Manly was okay, but um, they weren't dominant by any, any, any means. Bullymore and Davey were really good coming back into the side. Um, Davey was good. I think yeah, he's out yeah, again, though, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, Tupu was decent. Um, that's a power, sorry, was decent. Probably one of his better games. But yeah, Jake was easily the best for Manly. Um, in the forwards or the backs, he was their best player on the field. GCE and um, Morgan Harper tried pretty hard. Uh, since, you know, Morgan Harper really had that one poor game up against Talakai, I don't think I've seen him have a poor performance since. He's always having a go. Um, defence has been um, getting better as well. Yeah, Attack and he's pretty good with the ball in the hand. So, yeah. um, and, he, and he always tries hard. So, But as you said, <laughs> Albert Smalley was lucky not to be bin, but I thought he had a pretty nice debut, a nice try there, and um, he did all right with the ball in his hands. But just to go back to what you mentioned last week with a friend of the show, Steve Chester, about Sam Verrills. Like, I really put a bit of bit more focus on it, obviously, because it was you guys mentioned it last week. But just the importance of him. I know he doesn't have much of a running game, but he's, um, his service out of dummy half is first class. It's always out in front. It's it's um, you know, He makes the halves run onto the ball. So they've got momentum as they're hitting the ball, which just straightens up their attack automatically. And then you get the guys coming in off the back of that. So, and his defense is as strong as any hooker running around. So he, he's been really good for him since he's come back. Um, I thought Lodge was okay. He wasn't spectacular, but uh, Nat Butcher and Watson were good in the middle. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Walker was decent. He, again, he's got those flashes of brilliance in him and then just sort of goes missing a little bit. I'd like to see him put together 80 minutes of just terrorising a team and be good to watch. But, um, Teddy was very good, but Manu, again, he had spiders on him. They, they were scared to touch him at times, it looked like. He just causing all sorts of problems, especially when he seemed to get a bit bored out in the centres and come back into the middle of the field after about 20 minutes and just started ripping them apart through there. It seems to be that they they realised he has to do that as well, so we're going to see a bit more of it yeah, good. as we go through, which pleases me. Uh, Ollie, any takeaways from me? Uh, well, one of the big ones, obviously, was Manly's bravery, I guess you could say, in the second half. And um, <clears throat> one of the it was interesting, one of the key players I thought in that was probably, uh, as you touched on, Barney, Ethan Bullimore in his return to first grade as someone who was probably signed as realistically... Manly's main signing for 2022 ending up in reserve grade. I don't, I don't think he um, he did himself any disservice on his return to the top grade. DC, I thought his kicking kept Manly in the game as well in the second half. As you said, he tried hard, and it was just it was just sort of the same old story with Teddy and uh, Joey Marnie, What we've come to expect, especially especially over the past month. And I thought Daniel Tupo was um, solid on the wing for the Roosters as well. Just you bring up Sam Verrills as well. Um, not getting too excited or anything, but I read in one of the many articles from Nine or Fox, whoever, during the week that the Titans are a little bit interested in him, which um, I wouldn't mind that pick-up. I'm chasing a hooker for three years now. Well, he makes 40-odd tackles, doesn't miss too many, and as I said, he services. You could do worse, that's for sure. He's not the worst, no, absolutely. Um, three to Joey, two to Teddy, uh, one somewhere else. Jake, top of the meters in the tackles for Manly. I thought he was close to the... One of the better players on the field. Yeah, sounds good to me. Uh, the Storm 24 put away the Warriors 12 eventually. Eventually. Uh, Barn stats? Yeah, we had three tries for the Warriors, four for the Storm. Uh, zero out of three conversions played two out of four. Two out of two penalty attempts for the Storm. 88% completion played 81%, which was 32 out of 36 sets played 27 out of 33. Four line breaks for the Warriors, six for the Storm. 26 tackle busts played 31. Four offloads to seven. Four forced dropouts by the Warriors, one by the Storm. Zero 40 20s. 307 tackles played 330. One ruck infringement to two. Zero inside the 10s for both teams. Seven penalties conceded to eight. Six errors to seven. Aitken made 38 tackles. Harry Grant made 44. Torhu Harris with 190 running metres. And Grant Anderson with 146 for the Storm. Harris missed five, made 37. Montoya missed three and made 14. Grant missed seven and made 44. And Justin Ollum missed four and made eight. Cossey with 114 supercoach points. Kofusi with 96. And Jorah Hughes with 77. What did Torhu get? I think it was 76, 75. It was just under. Yeah, yeah. yeah fair enough. Oli, you make of this. Well, speaking of Torhu, I thought he was probably... One of I don't think the Warriors were horrible, but probably one of about three blokes who was sort of doing that extra effort to sort of keep them afloat and keep them on Melbourne's wavelength. I thought one of the other ones was probably Reese Walsh in attack and, and Fenua Blake. There were definitely a couple of other blokes putting their effort in defence as well. But I thought for Melbourne, the standout was um, the old wizard, Harry Grant, um, as their, their winning ways return. I thought he was probably... Um, their best player um, overall and probably the the best player on the field too. 
Um, I'd say a bit of a return to form as well for Cameron Munster. Um, and um, unfortunately, though, it seems Melbourne are, are saving their their big return to form and their big flogging for um for this weekend. But um, they're nice and primed for it. But yeah, I'd say probably Harry was the the best on field and Melbourne, it's a definite improvement, but um, I'd say for the Warriors as well, yeah, it was probably those three blokes that I mentioned, I think overall overall that were keeping them sort of on Melbourne's level. Um, um I thought Felice Cafusi was probably the best player on the field, to be honest. Just yeah, his stats, he had, um, I think he had a couple of line break assists, a line break for himself. Try assist. Um, I thought he's really good out there for the Melbourne Storm. Uh, they came out really fast and looked very dominant for the first 15 minutes. But um, the Warriors seemed to aim up in the middle and sort of close that attack because the, the Storm was sort of running all over them through the middle of the field to begin with. And then the Storm picked up and um, Storm just don't have a rotation anymore. Yeah, no, they don't seem to do that. Yeah. yeah, the the Warriors closed that gap in the middle and then they they had a plan obviously to go to that. Uh, right-hand side defence of the Storm, and they, they cracked them so many times in this game. Uh, Melbourne were probably lucky that the Warriors didn't score a few more tries. Uh, they went at, at Seve and Anderson out there with Jerome Hughes out there as well, and, and they struggled. Um, I thought Melbourne were probably flattered by a couple of individual performances again by Harry Grant to score a try and um, Jerome Hughes himself doing it all themselves, not sort of, you know, wasn't set up by anybody else. They just managed to pick up a ball and find a hole and just get through it themselves to score a try. So, um, yeah, they're, they're looking a little bit clunky in attack as well as the, the issues that they've got out there on the edge on their edge defence, which is not great. Um, the Warriors tired again, uh, which was part of the reason for those tries that I mentioned with just their middle forwards getting tired and leaving massive holes through the middle of the field and then the Storm took advantage of that. Um, a stronger attacking team probably puts the storm away, to be honest, because I thought their edges were pretty well, they were very poor and they seemed Ed, to get poorer the game the longer the game went. Edward Cossey had a day out with his hat trick. It was good. Big strong ball runner. Um it'd be nice to see someone give feeding him some decent ball a bit more often, it'd be good. But um Aiken was good. Fanua Blake was good as well. Uh, Tavanga was probably even better, and Harris was fantastic. Um, he's been their leading player for the last three or four weeks. Johnson was, looked okay, but he's uh, definitely in the twilight of his career. Walsh looked dangerous. Um, he actually caused them a few problems back through the middle. The middles were good for, for the Storm. Both the Bromwich boys were good. Um, Kami Kamika and Nelson, apart from his indiscretion, were good. Um, yeah, I thought Kafusi was fantastic, and so was the uh, the spine minus the fullback. I mean, he did a job, but you know, he didn't really uh, set the world on fire. But the six, seven, and nine, they were fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I um, the feel of this game was it that both teams were on part of me. I don't yeah. think there was any suggestion here that Melbourne are lengths and lengths better than the Warriors, which still has me concerned for what the rest of the season holds for them. Uh, and even who I tip in the next few rounds with them involved as well. But, um, yeah, that, that's my main takeaway. You've covered all the key points. I, I, I sort of lean a bit to Harry for three, to Kafusi two, and I was going to give Torhu one, but um, there's either way. I, I can accept it. I can accept Kafusi as Oh, should we actually mm, give it to Give it to Harris. All right. Harry. Harry, Harry Kafusi and uh, Tohu. 
And then this happened. <laughs> 34 to 10. Parramatta blitzed uh, a first-half blitz against Penrith, against 12 men after the early send-off. And uh, even then, I didn't think we saw this coming. Uh, very good to watch before they then... Well, we could do the stats and then talk about how perhaps they just decided to defend a lead, which was an odd decision. Um, Absolutely, they did. Um, six tries to Parramatta, two for the Panthers, five out of six conversions played, one out of two for Penrith. 83% completion played, 91% for Penrith. 36 out of 43 sets played, 32 out of 35. Seven line breaks to five, 29 tackle busts to 21, 18 offloads to six. Three force dropouts by Parramatta, one by Penrith. Two 40-20s for Parramatta. 319 tackles played, 384. One ruck infringement from both teams, one inside the 10 against Penrith. Six penalties conceded to seven, eight errors to four. And the send-off for Penrith, Sean Lane with 37 tackles, Appy with 57, Paulo with 187 running metres, and Edwards with 268. Um, Paulo missed three tackles, made 14. Kikau missed nine, made 33. Papa Lee with 101 supercoach points, Reed with 93, two other Parramatta players before you got to Liam Martin on 82 points for Penrith. Yeah. Obviously, there's a couple of problems I already mentioned. Uh, Moses out and Cleary out for the next four or five weeks. Three, three to four for Moses and five weeks for Cleary. It's going to have both sides scrambling for the next couple of weeks, I would imagine. Both teams seem to come out with the real strong intent in this game, and they, you know, they were fired up. They were looking to do some damage to the other team, um, looking to dominate. Parramatta sort of owned the first five five minutes or so, and they were camped on the Panthers' line and just couldn't get through. They got a couple of repeat sets and then turned the ball back to Penrith, and Penrith just seemed to go straight down the other end, get a get a six again, and then score. And I thought, oh, what's going on here? And, Again, the Parramatta got the ball and just ran straight up Penrith's end and managed to, and replied pretty quickly through Papali, who was in beast mode for the majority of this game. He had a tremendous performance, which he seems to put in every two or three weeks with his Parramatta side. They'd be a completely different side without him, <laughs> I would imagine. Um, Hopefully we find out. If we, we'll find out next year, I'm mm. imagining. Definitely uh, yeah. Parramatta just... Um, Seemed to then sort of put the screws on Penrith once they scored that first try and um, played field position. They kicked early with 40-20, um, got back down there, scored again, and then obviously the Cleary incident sort of threw everything out of the window. Penrith looked like they were they were trying to do the same thing back to Parramatta, play a bit of field position, turn them around and try to win that field position battle. And then said to the missus as soon as Cleary went off, which I think was what, about 20-something minutes in, I'm like, well, this is over. You can't win this game with 12 players. Mm. Um, not for 60 minutes. It's just not going to happen. And um, proved proved the case. I think Penrith were pretty shell-shocked, obviously. For the, you, said, you saw the, a lot of damage happen in the next 10, 15 minutes after Cleary got sent off. I think Penrith yeah. were just rattled and scrambling and they had no idea what was going on. Obviously, it gave Parramatta a massive lift and they were... They just seemed to be pouring through the middle of the field. If it wasn't Reed going from dummy half, it was Papa Lee breaking open that right-hand edge or Sean Lane on the left-hand edge. And Yeah, they, they absolutely put Penrith to the sword for the next 20 minutes to finish off that first half. Um, Mahoney was fantastic out of dummy half. Um, his running game really came to the fore, which was good, and he was picking up players along the way as well and put, you know, putting them through holes, which just destroyed the middle of the field there for Penrith. 
second half, as you mentioned, I think Parramatta decided that they were just going to defend their way through, try and not get hurt, just play field position, and we might finish, score a try or two. To Penrith's credit, you have to give them kudos because they really lift, lifted up their intensity in that second half, and they came out with obviously a point to prove that they weren't going to be walked over in the second half. And they were fighting just as physically hard as they have for pretty much every other game they've played this year. They were in Parramatta's face. They were aggressive. And um, that aggressive defence and line speed was the reason that Parramatta sort of, I think it, it looked like they were playing a little bit. Obviously, they were playing a little bit um, less attacking than they could have. But I think a lot of it came down to the way Penrith were just putting the pressure, pouring the pressure on them as well. So they sort of forced their hand to, take a back seat rather than try to attack too much. Um, fantastic effort for Penrith to win that second half. Um, was it whatever it was, 6-4? But um, what, Does that take a bit out of, take an edge off them again for next week when they line up against oh, Canberra? Who they're playing this week, Canberra. That's so, such an interesting I game. I dare say that drags a bit of energy out of them, the back end, the, the amount of effort they put into that second half. So Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, well, I think I know they're down a play, but it also, like you said, fantastic to keep them to six. But it also, um, this sounds like a dumb thing to say out loud. But if Clear is on the field, I think there's plenty of points in that second half too. They they missed an attacking, any attacking point really at times. And um, yeah, realistically, and um, I don't see where that's coming. That yeah, yeah, so yeah. Was Joe, but... Yeah, yeah. Got I think I think once they worked out, they could just shut Yo down. That was it. Yeah, it was really only the one point of attack and they focused in on him. Um, Edward just popping up and sort of making half breaks here and there, but so, so much you can do on your own. Um, RCG and Paulo were okay in the middle, but they were outshone, I thought, by Madison. Um, and then you go to uh, Brown, uh, Sean Lane and Papalia, as I mentioned, they were, they were the best forwards on the field by a fair way. Look, Fish, Leota and Kickout were okay. Kickout missed a few more tackles. Than I know he normally misses four or five, but he got up near 10 in this one. and um, mm-hmm. He looked a little unsure of what he was doing out there at times, to be honest. Um, I thought Yo and Edwards were, were really good. And Targo and I'd say Targo, O'Sullivan, and you throw in Appy and Martin, they were probably the best four players for Penrith. Um, Appy and, and Liam Martin probably the better two out of that lot. I mentioned Brown. Uh, I thought Dylan Brown had a really good game as well. I thought he probably was um, better than Moses at the back end of this game. And yeah, Papa Lee, Lane, the best two players on the field. Oliver? Well, I think it was really smart of Parramatta to shut down Isaiah as soon as they could when clear run off because, as you brought up, his main point of attack. And I feel like it's become sort of a learned thing now for teams when Cleary is out because he was obviously out at the start of the season. You go back and watch those games, even though he was playing lock, and even though um, Sean O'Sullivan was rightly praised for having a good game in those contests, uh, Isaiah Yeo was well and truly that main point of attack for Penrith and sort of ended up playing like a, a bit of a halfback just sort of to cover O'Sullivan. So it's actually you know commendable that Parramatta picked up on that um, and as soon as Cleary went, went off, they knew exactly who to target. Uh, and who to shut down there. But if Parramatta kept it up in the second half, I think they probably could have got close to 50. I understand sort of the conservative nature in the second half when Penrith sort of started coming at them, but I thought they probably could have picked it up a bit and sort of went for it a a little bit more because in that first half, they were near unstoppable. It's as if Penrith just 
waved the white flag and then at halftime probably realised they need to show a bit of pride and actually try to stick in this game as much as they could because there was a certain, like, definitely before and after halftime, there was a noticeable shift in the effort it seemed Penrith was putting in. But, I mean, uh, I've, I've got it here. When 11 of your starting 13 players are running for at least 100 metres, you know, you're probably not going to lose a game. The, the two that didn't, Tom Upacek and Reed Marnie, who was giving great service out of hooker. So just about, I wouldn't say perfect, but great performances all around for Parramatta. And it was just sort of an onslaught and a wave after wave. And I, I was a little bit disappointed that they actually didn't kick on with it in the second half as much. But again, it, it sort of goes hand in hand. I think Parramatta probably pulled the brake a little bit and Penrith's effort was sort of coming back there in that second half. Yeah, a, there would have been a real psychological thing to put 50 on them and just go, we've got your number regardless of situation. And the age-old adage about conceding 50. Um, yeah, like, are we understating Parramatta a little bit here, or it was what it was? No, I think so. They were fantastic for the first 40 minutes. They could have gone on. Um, there was still, obviously, you saw Moses wringing his hands out and um, sort of didn't get as involved as he possibly could Yeah. Uh, towards the back end of the game. And they were definitely going through the motions in that last sort of 20 to 30 minutes of the game. Um yeah, yeah. Like, as Ollie said, I think they could have really carved them apart if they wanted to, but I think they just thought, you know, job's done. We'll just get through till next week and go, go from there. Um, it, it was obviously one of their better performances for probably close to two months, realistically, because they, they've been pretty poor for six weeks. And it was something that they really needed, but um, they need to back it up this week and the week yeah. after. Like, they need to start putting two and three games together before you can really start praising them too much, I think. How are we looking but at? But they them? were, yeah, they they were on top of Penrith, and even if Cleary stays on the field, I think they possibly still eke out a win at the back end of the game. But it's it's all hypothetical. Yeah, I think so too. Minutes on. I think they look great. Yeah, leading up to that. Um, do do we give Reed three here? I had Papali with three. Yeah, I just thought Can't that argue that. every time they needed him, they went there, and he went. He was the one that was busting them open on that edge. Um, I had Reed for two, and then it was either Appy. Dylan Brown or Lane for the one. I'd probably go with Brown. I would go on Sean Lane, so whatever. Um, <laughs> Buddy, you decide. <laughs> I'll go with Lane. All right. Um, what, what's 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 acceptable damage for Penrith in the next six weeks now? I think they can lose three games and not I panic. Really, don't think it does. I don't think it matters or, if they lose they... every single one of them. And, and you just forget about what just happens for the next month. Yeah, absolutely. I okay. think they, if they really wanted to for the next three or four weeks, they could just play off their reserve grades. I would assume there rest was... Them, rest them up. I, I would assume there was... Two uh, or three weeks to go. Big restings coming anyway. I assume they would have probably rested six Start weeks, now. But... Give Yo two weeks off. Give Fish two weeks off. Yeah. 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 Rotate through them. Give Leo the two weeks off over the next six weeks. You know, give all three of those two weeks off. Give Edwards a week off. But it really doesn't yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't want our best players playing rugby league, no. <laughs> well, I, I think I think with the Fords, they can definitely afford to. I think Fisher uh, Harris probably has earned. You're not going to take a ball out at the same time. No, no, no. But I mean, a rotation but with the Fords. I, I, I don't know how much sure. they'd want to, but I, yeah, I'm sure Fish could use a week off. They say he'll get a week or two. Yeah, it'll probably get a week. Yo needs a week or two off. You can see it. He was blowing. I feel like, I feel like he, at the back yeah. end of this. Yeah. He I would benefit like, massively. Yeah. Couple of weeks. He's the one that'll stay though, because Cleary's. <laughs> I think like. 
he I don't think they'll rest. He's also the captain, so he, I don't think you want to. Given given they're missing all. The I think now is a perfect time to be honest. And if it was me, I'd be giving him the next two weeks off and bringing him back with three weeks running into the finals. You could at least give him the Warriors game off. I mean, <laughs> but again, he might not want it. He might be it's sort of like easy. Probably last thing he wants. There are blokes that like playing. Um, if he's busted or he's carrying something, obviously. But anyway, we'll get to, we'll get to the Warriors game um, at, down the road. Uh, Carrigan's been given four matches, by the way. Four. Ten minutes ago. Huh. 36-24. Saturday. <laughs> what are you supposed to say, honestly? 36-24. Uh, Raiders over the Titans on Saturday afternoon. Uh, oddish game from what I saw at Van Stats. Yeah, it was an oddish game. Um, Raiders really should have won by a lot more points, to be honest. Four mm. tries to seven, four out of four conversions played four out of seven for the Raiders. 68% completion for the Titans, 78% for the, uh, for the Raiders. 28 out of 41 sets played 32 out of 41. Six line breaks to eight. 44 tackle bus for the Titans, 50 for the Raiders. Five offloads to 20. One force dropout to two. 0 40 20, 330 tackles made by the Titans, 307 made by the Raiders. One ruck infringement against the Titans, one inside the 10 against the Raiders. Four penalties conceded to six, 15 errors to 10, and a sin bin for Canberra. Anyway, I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Peter with 35 tackles, Hudson Young with 31, Herbert with 184, and Tarpanay with 172 running metres. Sexton missed eight tackles, made 16. Whitehead missed five and made 20. Hudson Young with 125 supercoach points. Jason Tar- uh, Joseph Tarpany with 113. Three other Canberra players before you got down to Tino on 88. Oliver. Well, I, I don't want to say it was overall... A- a horrible effort, but it's the same thing as every week. The, the players that showed up were pretty much the same. I thought this was probably the the most obvious example. I don't think it was horrible. Obvious example that Mo's just not quite Mo at the moment. Um, I think Tino was still probably the Titans' best player. But one thing I've, I've seen also is that the Titans have sort of – they're in a weird situation now with certain things where <sighs> – making certain decisions would be really good, but they'd be at the detriment of arguably just as good a decision. So two key areas that I sort of pick, picked up on it here. One of them, that Jane Campbell's not too horrible of a player. I don't know why. When he has been fit this year, he hasn't always been in the side. He started out at fullback. Brimson's obviously better at fullback than in the halves, and he's been one of the Titans' best players this year. So you can't really – I wouldn't be putting Campbell in front of Brimson in that role. You've also got um, the emergence, I guess, of Aaron Clark as a lock, who I think has been very good the past few weeks. Issue with that is you've got Tino playing at prop, which he was still great, obviously, but I feel like the best way for the Titans to line up would now be probably to have Clark at lock. You'd have Tino and Bo Firma, who have consistently been the two best players with the Titans this year in the second row, but um, you've got a $1.25 million stopgap who's not about to be dropped from the side at all for an extended period. So these are these are just sort of the things going through my head at the moment that I notice with this team where it's sort of hard for any real change to happen the next couple of years. Look, unfortunately, I was ragging on the, the signing at first because I don't think by himself Kieran Foran can make a whole lot of change for the Titans. But if this club 
runs last, which they will, him going there, it's it's something. And for a halves partnership that all year, I'd say more than any team has just sort of been there. If they've not been a negative, they've just sort of been there. They've been inconsequential largely. And how can a team do anything without halves? Like, seriously. So from that aspect, if Kieran Foran can stay fit, he'll probably at least maybe help the Titans avoid the wooden spoon next season. It, it, it just seems very grim for me. And what else seemed grim was I thought the the very good partnership of Jack White and then Jamal Fogarty. Jamal Fogarty um, doesn't seem to be a horrible player. The Titans could probably use him if they – I don't know if they ever had him once upon a time ago. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very somber right now because it's finally – it's finally dawned on me because your team won and everything like that, that um, these stop gaps are here. And uh, this is a, this is a large rebuild. I'd say it's going to take, I think at least three years to really get back towards finals. Yeah. I can't imagine the current coach will be the one rebuilding. No. Uh, fine. Uh, yeah, what, the first 20 minutes was pretty competitive. Both teams seemed to put on some really nice attacking plays for points early in this game. As I mentioned earlier, I thought it should have been a, a heavier defeat for the Titans. I think there was a, the a couple of soft ones. Raiders yeah. seemed to squander a few opportunities uh, with the halves sort of making a, a poor decision here and there. And there was a couple of the Raiders dead set clocked off of the te- last 10 minutes of both halves. and. They, they let in two really soft tries that probably shouldn't be let in in first grade football. But um, the Titans' biggest problem that I can see is their first contact in defence. Um, you very rarely see a Titans player hit and stick on that first tackle and put someone to the ground. It's generally they get dragged for five metres until the second and third bloke show up to, to help them put to finish the tackle off. Um, and yeah, it just causes real big problems through the middle and especially on the edges in defence. Um, the Raiders were really dominant on the edges with Hudson Young and um, Adam Elliott on one side and then Weir and Ira played a couple of minutes. He didn't play many minutes in this game but um, he, he caused a problem or two when, when he was on there. Um, the edge defence from the Titans is very poor. It has been for years and um, it's something they need to work on again with their first, with their first contact in defence. Yeah, I thought I mentioned I thought they switched off a couple of times there in the last 10 minutes. You mentioned Aaron Clark. He's He was very good. Um, Fafita was actually very good in this game. I think it's the first time I've seen him make over 30 tackles. I was going to say, yeah, defensive. got in there and had a crack, um, which was good to see. Campbell added some spark with his support play. Um, that's sort of his going life, I think. I probably wouldn't, you know, his old man wasn't a bad six, so <laughs> he probably wouldn't be a bad six playing some short balls and then following forwards through, um, you know, in, with the support play through the middle of the field. If he finds 15 but, kilos, he'll, he'll be Yeah, 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 absolutely. Put him through a, a, an absolute target. A, a pre-season alongside foreign and maybe you got something, who knows. Yeah, maybe. Um, Tanner Boyd looked pretty just good. Ball the in problem there. is he just doesn't fit anywhere else. He, he can't see him anywhere. defending in the front line. Uh, I don't know how good his kicking game is as a seven, as a Nico style seven. Yeah. He realistically for now, and he's only eighteen. He, he the problem is AJ's only he's only, he's only he's stupidly he's, young. when he's twenty. You know. Twenty three. Yeah, yeah, and um, I yeah, I you need someone you need someone there to turn one of them into a half, but. We'll see how big he, how, how he feels. And Sexton's been a 
let's be honest, he's been a letdown this year. Um, he's yeah, played well, more poor, poor games than good games. So, we were looking um, at him as nearly rookie of the year at some points yeah, last year. Absolutely. Well, he looked good alongside a certain fella I can't quite remember. Yeah, when he was playing six outside of the half. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, Tanner Boyd looked pretty good ball in hand. He caused a few problems for the Raiders in the middle of the field. Um, Tina and Tino and Bo Firma again were the best Titans two players. And they do it week in, week out. So um, Papa Lee and Elliot were good uh, starting the game. They, they caused quite a few problems for the Titans in defence. Whitehead should just pack up and fuck off back to England because he's been he's been a passenger for a year. Oh, absolutely. Um, and how her, we were an Ira and Adam Elliott aren't starting in front of that bloke. I don't know if I did, but Ricky, much smarter man and coached a lot more games of football than I have. So um, Fogarty was good, as you mentioned. White was really good as well. Uh, Chris and Kotrick were great. They 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 really caused heaps of problems for the Titans on that side of the field. And Kotrick's back to that um, bustling, aggressive, ball-carrying uh, winger that he, that he was – before he went to the Bulldogs, and he's um, yeah, he's definitely found his found his form back on the wing there for the Raiders, and Hudson Young and it was fantastic, and Joseph Tuppany is a god amongst front rowers in the competition. He is just fucking brilliant. I love watching him play everywhere. Is there a, like, and how the fuck he got sent off for ten after getting hit oh. by a cannonball? Like I know he swung a punch into the bloke's gut that come running at him, fucking as third man in. But how the bloke who gets a kid, like, I can understand them maybe sending him for 10 and then giving the Raiders a penalty for the fucking cannonball, but how the Raiders didn't get the penalty to begin with, and then you send me a bloke for cracking the shit because someone's trying to take his knees out it's beyond me. Yeah, I agree. There's just so many. Let's move on. Whatever. I, <laughs> you, like how often can we say it every week? There's just no consistency across any, across anywhere, like anywhere. You can point to a set. Like, we haven't seen it yet, and it's going to take someone to have their leg snapped in fucking three different yeah. places. It will end a career. To actually it, it will. Someone will go. Someone will come in in the wrong angle should. and, like, but, obliterate a knee to beyond, yeah, or, beyond repair. Yeah, we'll break a broke's leg in three places, yeah. and he won't be able to play for fucking 18 it months. It will be like a car crash. Bars in his legs and shit. Yeah. And it will happen, but it could be because they're letting it continue on. They, they yeah. fucking don't even suspend them. And if they do, they give them a week. And like, it's just a joke. Yeah. It, it, I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And um, I agree. Um, Yeah. You've, you've covered it pretty well there. The Raiders look like, like they've, they're not, they need to get rid of some passengers and Elliot will be a bit of a loss. But their spine now looks pretty good. Their spine are, on their day are going to get. Get the Raiders to where they need to be more often and not. So Savage can get some consistency behind him. That'll that'll help. Yeah, well, he spends every game limping for down. half of the game, and then yeah, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> fucking top speed five minutes later, and limping for a bit. So, um, a bit of plasticine and some uh, duct tape will be right. Uh, what do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Uh, it's between Tarpany and Hudson Young for man of the match. Um, depends which way you want to go there. I went with Tarpany because once he came back out after that 10 minutes being set off, he was just destructive every time he was in and around the football. And Hudson Young for two, and then I gave Jack White the one because I thought he was basically the structure yeah. and the ball player that they needed when they were scoring points. Mm. Sure, let's go with that. 21-20, 5.30 game on Saturday night. The Sharks got home in golden point over the Bunnies. 
So maybe we didn't really learn much out of this game, but um. Oh, the Sharks the absolutely way. stole two points, and they should fucking run out of there as quick as they can. <laughs> so we'll get on to next week because Souths are the better team. Uh, Sharks scored three tries, so did the Rabbits. Three out of three conversions for both teams. Both teams, oh, both teams missed a two-point field goal. Souths missed two one-point attempts, and the Sharks kicked one out of two. Both teams had one out of one penalty attempts. Seventy-two percent completion for the Sharks, eighty-four percent for the Rabbits. 32 out of 44 sets played 38 out of 45 for the Rabbits. Four line breaks to six. 22 tackle busts for the Sharks, 43 for Souths. 11 offloads to 17. One force dropout by both teams, 0 40 20s. 417 tackles made by the Sharks, 370 made by Souths. One ruck infringement against the Rabbits, one inside the 10 against the Sharks. Three penalties conceded to six. 19 errors from the Sharks to seven from Souths. And the send off from Souths. Braley made 57 tackles, Cook made 52, Talakai made 231 running metres, Tom Burgess made 181. Braley missed seven but did make 57, Moylan missed five, made 25, Murray missed three and made 50, and Latrell missed two and made nine. Toller with 99 supercoach points, McGuinness with 85 and Murray with 83. Two weeks in a row, the outside backs of the Sharks were kept quiet, like really quiet with their running metres from the the back end of the field. Souths were on top and making meters through the middle of the field for fun. Um, quick play of the ball, short passing, produced a lot of up-tempo meters through the middle. The Sharks' defense was poor in the middle and then the edges. And then as soon as they got on their own goal line, they were fucking extremely good in defense and managed to repel, repel anything that came at them on their own goal line. They've won probably three or four games this year on the back of their goal line defense, uh, and this was one of them. They were realistically only good for about 30 minutes of this game. Souths were the better team for 50 to 60 minutes and the Sharks got away with one here, I thought. Um, they consistently gave opportunities back to Souths, which has been a bugbear of mine for the entire year. Uh, the better teams will put them away if they keep doing that. But um, if they can hang on to the ball, they'd be top of, they'd be right up near the top of the tree, the Sharks side, because when they get their opportunities, they generally do... Uh, have a really good finish in them and they, they, they do score some good tries and uh, they've got some really good ball movement, but fuck, they can drop a football. And it's um, always, not always, most of them are just unforced errors or just they, dumb They shit get or... hit on the chest. It's like, it's like Toby Rudolph yeah. gets the ball, hits him on the chest and he drops the fucking thing or someone yeah. tries to get up and play the ball too fast and just leaves it on the ground. Yeah, yeah. they do some, they make some really basic errors and, um, they were lucky it didn't cost them in this game. They did have limited opportunities, but they seemed to take them when they got them. Uh, and it was the story of the game. Even in Golden Point, they had less opportunities than Souths. They got their opportunities after South seemed to make an error more so than them forcing themselves on the opposition. And if Latrell was in form, he would have kicked the first one and it would have been game over. But um, he managed to miss three in a row. And, uh, and they're all sitters too. The you would have backed so. Latrell to kick all of those. Well, the first one was, was oh, the forty way minute out. One. But like still, he you normally he normally drains them, yeah. and you know, the second one he hit really well and it just faded away. But yeah, the Sharks gave Souths every opportunity to win this game, and Souths didn't seem to take it. Um, the Sharks realistically only had probably three or four opportunities to score tries, and they scored three out of those four. So you know, it's one of those games you just grab the two points and just run away with them. Um, Souths had very good some very good performances out of their forwards, but overall, I thought the Sharks' pack was probably better. Um, not that they had 
huge standout performances, but they all put in, whereas South sort of only had three or four guys that went really well and the others sort of just tagged along for, for the for the game. So um, Aaron Burgess were okay. Murray, Totola and Keon, Pulumatungi absolutely ate the Sharks through the middle of the field. Cook got out and was um, terrorising them as well from dummy half. Walker, the less said about Walker, the better. One, one minute he's good, next minute he's not. Um, Isaiah Tass is going to be a superstar in a couple of years. That kid is um, he's strong, he's robust, he's fast, good on his feet. And, um, yeah, does some spectacular things at times. I've got a few draps on him. I thought Ramian was okay. Talakai was really good with ball in hand, but he made a couple of errors again. I, I only need him one for of those a blokes that, 10 grand multi. How about that? Oh, really? Didn't realise draft. He's one of those blokes that yeah, tries to play the ball too fast or just drops a ball that hits him on the chest and he seems to do it consistently. Um, most forwards are pretty good for the Sharks, minus Hunt and Ueli. Hunt got knocked out and Ueli just sort of, he's definitely not fit. Hopefully they get him fit in the next month, but we'll see what happens. McGuinness was fantastic, as was um, Toby Rudolph and Hines. They they were you know, the, the best players for the Sharks easily. I thought... Um, Cameron Murray was the man of the match in this game. I thought he was the best player on the field. Um, Nico Hines with the two points just because he slotted it and he was part of the reason that the Sharks did score their points when they did. And then I had one point for either uh, Tavita Totola or Cameron McInnes. Oliver, your takeaways? Uh, yeah, well, I'd probably go McInnes with that. But um, I wonder, when was the last time we had five players make 50-plus tackles in a single game? Because I can't honestly ever remember it and those those were uh, as Barney's covered off probably the three standout performance performance throughout the game I agree Souths were probably a bit better but I do think it was a do I say finals level clash I think it was a very even an intense match, a, high, yeah. a higher quality game than if the Titans was a verse any team in the second <laughs> half of the ladder but anyway um I digress we're but talking football, yeah, just don't mention the Titans. And <laughs> <laughs> just put someone else in there instead of the Titans. <laughs> I would say the Tigers, but they... Let's I, say Newcastle. I hear about, I hear yeah. about these pretty Dragons. Good time. Yeah. Let's just... Anyway. Um, but I thought on, on both ends, both yeah, both teams were solid. They were giving it their all. The defensive efforts probably had to be boosted, and that's not to say even though there were five players who made over 50 tackles, that doesn't mean there weren't other great defensive efforts um, across both teams, I don't think those players necessarily were doing extra work that they that they had to necessarily. There was a lot of work that needed to be done in the middle of the field in this game. Uh, uh, both teams were going through the middle. middle. Yeah, in, in general, I probably agree that Cam Murray was probably the the best player in the field, and probably I think he was probably that um, that leader. I guess you could say in in South having that bit of a better performance. Whereas I don't think Latrell was horrible by any stretch, but it was since coming back. Probably his quietest game. Yeah, like it doesn't help when he gets shifted to the centers. Um, But he wasn't looking to get involved either early in the games. I I think as well. Um, just looking at Lachlan Ilias in general over the past couple of months, I think he's improved a lot. But to me, I don't know. Yeah, that's what. What will? It's very hard hard to improve when you're 18 and you're just getting no assistance. But I think like but that's he's, the thing. He has think, to, yeah. He's growing on his own, it feels like. But he did make a couple of critical errors here. Yeah, he got yeah, caught yeah. with the ball on last tackle two or three times. But yeah. Got the ball cold a couple of times as well. Yeah. One of his big his biggest negatives or biggest hindrances is actually Cody Walker, I think. 
<laughs> I don't that was my like point. Yeah. that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they necessarily work well together. And to be honest, if you chucked, I don't know, Blake Taff or whatever in the halves with Ilias, he might do a lot better and have a bigger impact on on games. So, but but that's more a, a thing about Cody Walker. As you even said, um, even Golden Point there, like have a different point of attack where um yeah, give give him a shot, give Ilias a shot. Like you, I, don't, I don't assume they just don't trust Cody Walker, but um give Ilias yeah. a shot or you know. You need to have a halfback who can do that too. So. Anyway, anything else to add? No, pretty much covered no. it off that I think we all did. Uh, three to, um, yeah, that fellow you said. Two to, uh, I thought McGuinness was tremendous. Um, yeah, yeah, but, I'd be happy to elevate McGuinness. And then points. Nico for one, but um, yeah. happy to no, be that's wrong. Fair. All right. Alrighty. I'm off on the tangent here. This is the week where I started hating the Tigers because, Everyone either goes off on a tangent on them. I was at a party on Friday night where I had people talking to me about the fucking Tigers. Is where I just... oh, you should have seen this bloke and his mate. Fucking hell. Screaming the house down. When, these when, two. They, when they win a game, oh, there's all that senseless optimism. Oh, if, if we keep this up next year, we could probably beat the top eight. Rah, 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 rah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in the show. Yes, do that. <laughs> <laughs> 3218 uh after everyone's just enjoyed Oliver's off air rant, which I press record halfway through, but I'll never tell which half. Um that was obviously the second half actually. So yeah, pretty obvious to be honest with you. Uh speaking of second halves, what a good second half this was, thirty two eighteen. Stats bun. Yeah, we had three tries to five, three out of three conversions for the Broncos, five out of five for the Tigers. And one out of one penalty attempt for the Tigers. 75% completion for both sides, which led to 31 out of 41 sets and 30 out of 40 for the Tigers. Five line breaks to seven, 42 tackle busts to 44, seven offloads to 11, one force dropout from both teams, 314 tackles played 330. Two two ruck infringements against both teams, one inside the 10 against the Broncos, two inside the 10 against the Tigers. Five penalties conceded to four. 13 errors from both teams. Ricky made 33 tackles. Safarth made 50. Pass with 198 metres. Mamalo with 171. Ezra Mann missed five tackles, made 14. Reynolds missed five, made 19. Kapoa missed six and made 14. Adam Dewey with 122 supercoach points. Adam uh, Ricky with 84 and Tessie New with 75. Tigers are pretty good. I thought they uh, were the better team. I thought they stepped up, and there's no there's no fluke to this. I thought they matched Brisbane in the forwards and um, <coughs> looked um, like they had plenty of control and attack. It was you know, a pleasure to watch. Exciting attacking football and a forward pack that wants to have a crack. Who would have thought that that would win you a game of football? Exactly. <laughs> if, uh, if only you know, if they had this attitude from the start, who knows? The former coach might even have it. And actually, well, it's it, it's got to be no coincidence with Dewey coming back into the team as well. But um, he adds another if, level. If he'd and been there, so did Jock Madden. Actually, he had some really well, nice footwork and some good ball, ball, uh, some good crisp short pass. He added a bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I thought the two halves were probably just about the two best on the field. Uh, Dewey was uh, he's obviously strong, fantastic, and now he's fit. Um, provides enough tackle, bus and. He's is close-ish to that Manu Mulder. He's always seems to break a half break a tackle when he um, we need him to, and he's just that lanky, awkward 
angular sort of fella, um, and, and passionate. So he was good on one side, and and you hit the down with Madden. That's what we've needed all year. I thought his kicking game was fantastic compared to the drivel we usually serve up, without naming names. But and he's um, making them make decisions. You know, he's putting a bit of footwork on. He was dummy, and he was play, playing short, playing long, and yeah. defense didn't know how to read it. And that's um, but I, I just want to mention a couple of his crossfield kicks, which were spot on, which um, without fail with previous halves um, have not been spot on, and uh, but just just the way he mixed up, like he's like Luke Brooks has that long pass to the left, but that's about it. Whereas he has he has a bit of everything, um, which is good. His footwork was good. His support played a backup to Alungi, which after he put him through a hole was fantastic. Absolutely. So like it, it's actual good first grade halfback standard. And, and some I, juggling I, skills there too. Yeah. So he I reversed ho- his way to that's right. <laughs> So I hope that, um, well, he's obviously going to get the next, he's either going to be, he'll be playing first grade next year. I hope it's for us, but he'll have enough time in the shop window where someone else will end up taking him. Just see what his management came out and said during the week. I heard something about Penrith. Well, they're basically just telling us if Brooks is here, we're going. If Brooks is in the team, we're fucking we're gone. Yeah, and, so. and, more, and more power <laughs> to him. That, yeah, more power to him because he he should be in front of him at this stage of the game. Um, and um, I just want to give any other one. I'll give credit to the third piece of that pie is Jackson Hastings. And what he did in this game was actually just roll his shoulder up, roll his hands up. What do you do? You roll his sleeves up. up. That's the one. <laughs> it's been a long day. Rolled his sleeves up, and and he had. I think he ran 157 meters, but they're genuine meters. Um, yeah. Still annoys me that weird sort of hospital passing he does, but um, <laughs> he was good. That they found, you know, there was a good balance. Um, and all the forwards, apart from a couple of dumb mistakes, Musgrove was good again. Polay's great, uh, and Safarth I think made 50 tackles. Yeah, Safarth uh, was close to you. So best. he was uh, he was outstanding, Safarth. And um, the two props were good, and, and you know they've obviously decided to plant him, uh, Tamo and Joffrey in the middle of the field, and have them and build out from there, which is which is working. Um, who do everyone talk about for Brisbane? Tessie knew was dangerous at times. I just thought they disappeared almost in the second half. It there wasn't a lot to them. Obviously, Mam had control for a lot of that with Reynolds in the in the head bin, um, and Haas was good when he was on the field as well. Um, I don't yeah. think um, I, I don't. I don't know how. Like I know they were missing some troops. But I didn't think their outside backs were all that impressive. Uh, Brisbane. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think Brisbane were um, were horrible. Though. And it's a credit to the Tigers. Like, I don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really taking away from Brisbane. I thought the Tigers play well, but yeah. I mean, you, you know what you get with me with only one eye. I thought the last twenty minutes they might have been coming to get you, especially with that Ricky try when he bounced over three blokes. And yeah. Then Powell Powell stomped his way through the goal yeah. line with his celebration, and um. Tigers seemed to nip it in the butt pretty quick. Like um, they they kicked back long off the kickoff, and they got down and got in Brisbane's face, and they just seemed to intimidate them out of because they were flying. Like Brisbane were flying off the line for the first couple of tackles, and then I think there was two shots put on in a row from Offa and Gowie, and then maybe two Alungi on a center or something, and then they just seemed to retreat back into their shell. But um, yeah, the, the Tigers seemed to you know the first twenty minutes was pretty competitive. It was sort of back and forth, but. The, the Tigers definitely gained the upper hand after 20 minutes of the game. Um, and they were in control for 40 minutes at least. Um, and they put the Broncos away. Like, they, it, they were taking Hass. They were sort of, you know, he was getting his metres and they were rolling in the middle of the field. But as soon as someone had made half a break, the Tigers scrambled quite well. And then they seemed to put their shoulder to the 
to the grindstone and then get back in to making sure that they got physical in the middle of the field and stop that roll on, uh, which has been a big part of Brisbane's game for the year. And yeah, it was a fantastic performance out of out of the middles from the Tigers. Uh, these young guys that you mentioned coming through are definitely the future and they need to um, yeah keep them going for the rest of the year. The Broncos bench offered next to nothing. Uh, there was absolutely nothing that came off the bench apart from Corey Jensen, who was okay. But um, Ricky and Haas were really strong and Walters were decent, but the rest of their forwards may as well have not been there. Um, Reynolds was good and tried hard and you messed Mentioned testing you, and I thought Katoni Staggs was okay. He caused a couple of problems out wide, but I feel like he's just disappeared yeah. since Origin. Like he just this was probably one of his better games. To be yeah, honest, he's had, before, I think he's got a try. Still wasn't do- he, he definitely wasn't dominant. And that um, aggressive defense is just gone now. Yeah, Stafford Toa was really good, mm. um, and Mamalo. They were probably the best of the Tigers' backs. The rest were okay um, to, to average. The halves are really good, as you mentioned. Um, that's no point. Going over that again, I thought Musgrove and Pole were good off the bench, which was probably the difference in the game. Um, the Tigers' bench actually did add something, whereas the, the Broncos didn't. Hastings and Offa and Gowie were fantastic in the middle of the field, and I thought it was Alex Safar's best game he's ever played. Uh, yeah, I was definitely impressed with Pole coming off the bench, and it was, well, for the Tigers, other than the halves, it was the Fords, I think. A great effort from Tamo. Joe Offer and Gowie, I mean, one of us at least mentions him once a week. He's just absolutely on fire yes. at the moment. Um, but, yeah, the key standouts for Brisbane were it had to be Tessie New, probably, ma'am, just because <laughs> of that extra effort he had to put in when Reynolds was off. Haas, so he didn't break he, his neck when he scored yeah. the try. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but, um, you know, I thought Corey Jensen was quite good coming off a bench though and as you mentioned Barney and I think he's someone who's probably not too much gone under underrated because obvi- obviously there have been players that have been much better and gotten the, the just desserts but I, I think it it's ended up being a bit of a savvy buy from Brisbane he's certainly not been a, a negative signing by any stretch of the imagination but um, as I said before the, the big thing I took out of it is that Brisbane weren't horrible they weren't. It, it's not like Brisbane had just. They just had a game where they absolutely just dropped the dropped the ball, and um, the Tigers were able to come away with a win. No, the Tigers showed up. They put in a performance for eighty minutes. It's crazy what um what you can achieve if all your players put in an effort for eighty minutes. But um, yeah, the Tigers deserve the win. They deserve to be off the bottom of the ladder now with that as well. So their forwards were pretty dominant, large parts of the game, and then. If you look at it, like the Tigers have realistically only had one attacking option all year, and it's either been it's been Hastings for ninety percent of the year, and if it hasn't been him, it's been Brooks's rare game where he's had a good game, which would be what three out of twenty. Mm. So, and then other than that, there's been realistically no real attacking uh, points of attack apart from maybe um, Leilua or Tuolangi having a good game and maybe being able to do that. But in this game, you had offloads from the from the middles. You had Hastings causing problems in the middle and on an edge. Off Gowie, then you had Dewey and um, young fellow that, that played at six. Um, yeah, they, they were good. They had four or five different points of attack and the Broncos couldn't shut them down. The, the only other one I will wrap, uh, since he's come over, Brent Naden's been pretty good, apart from standing in the second row to blow a try. Um, 
he just had some pace, which we haven't had for a long time. So if you can get the outside, he, and he's a finisher, he's been you know through some decent systems at Penrith, and um, well, he's had some knocks on him at times, but I think it, that bit of pace is just something we've lacked. So and with him and Laurie, it's uh, you know a nice change. But anyway, and Mamalo coming out of like that, that's another thing that the Tigers haven't had for quite a while is someone that can bring the ball back like a winger that will get in and do the hard work and make those meters coming out of the back end and. There's not a lot of guys in that Tigers team that do it, and when you rely on forwards to do it, they don't have the leg speed, or and or they've got to get back on side first to then be able to hit it up. Like when you've got a bloke like Mamalo who can come in out of dummy half, first first pass off the ruck, and then make that ten and fifteen meters and get them going forward, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah, uh, and look, I, I think it's no. And do we lead in a kick chase? We just haven't had a kick. We, we've had the most disgraceful kick chase all year. <laughs> To the last probably three weeks, and um, that's added to it. But it's no coincidence. At the end of the day, we'll move on. We're talking about the Tigers. Uh, it's no coincidence that Brooks and Nofaluma weren't on the field, I think, and it was our best performance of the year. So. He's to a couple more wins for the Tigers. Yeah. Right. Uh, three, to, no. three to Dewey, no. two to Safarth, <laughs> one to Madden, or what order would you uh, have to throw them I had, um, yeah, I had Hastings or Hass as well. But. Okay. Ollie? No, probably happy with that. Madden? Madden for one? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think, I, yeah, I would have almost argued, yeah, I was would have flipped, could have flipped Madden and any combination of those. But um, anyway, we'll move on. To 24-10, the Knights putting the sword through... What? Dogs. The dogs putting Swording. the sword through the Knights. Uh, took the Knights' sword? Or, or, or lancing them, right. whatever they use these days. Buy some stats. These days. Dogs should have won by fucking 50. Yes. Two tries to four. One out of two conversions for the Knights. Three out of four for the Dogs. One out of one penalty attempts for the Dogs. 78% completion for the Knights. 75% for the Bulldogs. 32 out of 41 sets played. 30 out of 40. Three line breaks to the Knights. Four to Canterbury. 18 tackle bust to 36. 10 offloads to 17. One force dropout for the Knights, zero for the Bulldogs. Zero 40-20s, 346 tackles, played 363. One ruck infringement against Newcastle, two against the Bulldogs. Two inside the 10s against the Bulldogs, five penalties conceded from both teams. 12 errors to 14, Bradley made 48 tackles, Topine made 43, Tuala made 217 rating metres, and Karaz made 259. Sasagi missed seven tackles, made 14. Flanagan missed three and made 26. Karaz made 144 supercoach points. Burns with 79. And Shoop with 77. And Ari Tuala with 73. Other dogs absolutely dominated this match for 50 minutes. And um, just went, oh, job's done. Shut up, shop. We can just train for the next half an hour. (laughs) We don't need to do anything else for the next half an hour. They ain't going to beat us and we can just fuck around and put some plays on and do some stupid shit. <laughs> the Knights' attack was poor. Um, I was, uh, we've seen all season, like, their middles try, their forwards have a crack, but nothing happens after that. Like, as soon as they pass it, the, the dummy half passes the ball, and if they pass the ball again, nothing fucking happens. It either gets passed to the winger who gets tackled or someone runs it and gets smashed in the middle of the field. <laughs> And the rare exceptions these days are either Edric Lee or Young breaks breaks through and 
breaks a tackle, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or it. they kick, that's the kick only... to one of those big tall blokes and they jump yeah. up and catch the ball. But it, the, the worst part is the passes that when they go <laughs> to the wingers, it's slow, it's methodical, and everyone knows exactly what it ta- what's happening. Like, there's no changes of angles, the, the passing's not fast, there's no footwork, it's just pass it to him, pass it to him, pass it to him, and someone gets belted. Their attack. This I think this is the worst attack I saw out of any team for the entire season. To be honest, in this game, it was um, deplorable. You got no plan, no directions. On the the dogs, on the other hand, like their their ball movement is quick. They've got trick plays with short kicks, long kicks, early kicks, bombs, inside outside plays, um, and they've got speed. Like once they get out to your other cars and Karaz, Karaz is as quick as most. of Got Shoop, who's a big bustling ball runner. Um, but they've got something out wide, and they they were playing with the Knights here at different times of this game. Um, yeah. What do you say? Like they had blokes charging onto the ball. Aaron Shoop had probably the best game I think he's ever played. He seems whenever they line him up against one of the top centers in the game, he dominates it. Like he seems to play better. The bigger the challenge the better he is. His defence is fantastic. One of the strongest defenders that you're going to see in the centres and he's only a kid. So see how he goes in the next few years. And Karaz was brilliant. He is so quick. He's deceptive. He's big, strong. Like, it's, it's everything you want out of a winger these days. Um, There's something to be said for... Um, <laughs> compare uh, these blokes and... and, and the bat like compare Karaz and Shoop to your your Tuwalas and Highmore Hunts and your those sort of blokes in the of the world and also even look at the Tigers forwards compare your Poles and um yeah the and Safarth to your 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 not so much your Saifides the other sort of Fitzgibbons of the world by the time if you've played fifty or sixty first grade games. And you're not excelling. Like I think that's it. And I think clubs are. I get there's a roster and stuff, but fresh blood just is shining through this year. I think, and again and again. You need a couple of plotters in the team, but I don't need plotters. But like I mean, like if 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 you got if you do have these numbers on your roster, like your workers, you you, you can sort of know and get your rotation. I think clubs, and I know, yeah, you sign a three-year deal. I mean, but. Clubs can be getting fresher blood in soon, and I think the Penrith want to come with fresh blood. Like it's, mm. uh, and as Brisbane are top four, and uh, Cowboys are top four, and they're all. There's definitely something to be said for every team needing to probably bring through two or three kids every season, realistically, mm. to refresh your roster. And obviously, you look at your, your team and where you need to be bringing people through, but um, yeah, the the Knights forwards were all pretty good, um, apart from Brody Jones. I thought he was. Um, Pretty disappointing in this game. Uh, Braley was their best forward by a mile. He was their best player by a mile. Sasagi had a, and Tuala were pretty good with the ball in their hand, but they got some issues in defence. Um, Karaz had a game you'll never forget. <laughs> hat trick, and um, he was dominant. Like, even in you know coming out of yardage, he's, he's got everything you need for a winger coming through. Jackson, Bourne, and King they were strong. And Jeremy Marshall King over the last six weeks has just proved a constant threat out of the half. Um, Topine, I don't know 
He's been is it injury. He's been, been injured all year. No, no, he's, he had um. He worked his absolute fucking ass off. He worked like his ass standstill at the end of this a game. Reconstruction made of some sort. The odd tackles and all the rest of it. He, yeah. He's definitely a player. And he's only nineteen, I think. Himself fit. Yeah, absolutely. As long as he stays fit, 20. he'll be a player of the future. Their centers were brilliant. Um, Burns and Shoop, they were close to the best players on the field. And Burton, he plays a little bit outside the box, which I really enjoy. You know, he's, he's got good, he's big, strong, got footwork and all the rest of it. But he, he seems to really enjoy that, um, doing something different that most halves don't do. You know, taking a chance, taking that risk. And, mm. yeah. Oliver? Well, I'll get to Newcastle's coach in a, a certain other segment later on because Jesus Christ for I spoke to Daggy about it earlier today my god but looking at Newcastle overall this season now this might be a bit of a, a bold statement or whatever and look this is nothing like against the bike himself but I'd say overall this season Newcastle- in a couple of games you might get them all well, yeah, you're a chance to get them. They can win. Titans win a and couple play, of games. You might you're actually them. playing them in. You're playing them in two weeks. I think. Here's the thing: Newcastle's best player overall this year has been Dom Young. Now injuries. Uh, clever, I reckon. Injury, oh, okay. uh, close. It, uh, take take okay. Taking injuries into account as well. If Bailey's there the whole year. I'd say it's probably him. Oh yeah. Uh, even Edric Lee, if he was playing the whole year, to be honest. But I think it's. And then like Milford's top five, and he's only been there for. Exactly. It's reflective of Newcastle as a team where their two wingers are in the top five for their best players this year. I think that says a lot about them. As Barney said, the Bulldogs look dominant. They look like they probably could have won by a bit more. They probably, yeah, took it back a gear at one point in the game there. Uh, You talk about players having the best game of their lives, Karad's easily, and he's not been horrible by any standard either. He... He was just on fire. Uh, Josh Adokar, a nice couple of uh, assists as well, proving he can set him How up. How good was that? Kicking a, w- a winger, kicking him. to a winger. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, great. Uh, yeah, the old, fo- the old fox there. He's um, a man of many talents. Um, but, yeah, I just thought overall, you know what, for a side in the Bulldogs who, yes, they've obviously improved a lot since Trent Barrett's left, but uh, you look at the comparisons to be dominated and, hey, it happened to my team last week, largely um, to be able to be dominated by a team who couldn't win a game for half the season. Like it's, um, it's very worrying signs for Newcastle. And again, as I was talking to Daggy today, uh, next year, you'd be close to, um, to tip in Newcastle as wooden spoon favorites, if not Titans again, or, or the Warriors, to be honest. Yeah. Because, not too far off. And, and you know what? I don't think they will win the wooden spoon this year because I think the Titans are too far gone with the position they've put themselves in. But I think Newcastle are lucky that I the just, Titans exist right now. I'll put it that way. I, I just don't understand. I, I've All these, and I was watching, all your panel shows were saying how they're supposedly a top eight team. Based on what? Like at the start of the year, they had no roster. Uh, and now I think we got, all had them eleventh or twelfth. Yeah, but how I, I don't understand whoever thought they were going to be these Smokies for the eight. Well, uh, remember, and then you've got a coach there that um, like is he's only interested in he's blowing his own trumpet, as you will get to Oliver, um, which I'll leave you to the round if you like. <laughs> but it's um, but no, what player's was... gone there and gotten better? There's not like. All right, Ponga Dom is Young. Ponga, <laughs> and Dom Young was eighteen, so we don't. He would, know. he would have done that. No matter and where and he he's six foot five and one hundred and thirty kilos, and 
I wouldn't want to, you know, tackle him. So no. he, he would be doing what he's he's overachieving. Uh, Braven Best has gone backwards. Uh, Clifford's gone backwards. Clifford, Clifford, what didn't Clifford have nine Dalian points in the first three games or something? Yeah. Uh, and now he can't make a first grade team, and he's gone. Like, how, how does a half, how does a halfback just fall off a cliff? Um, I don't even know who the other half. Who was it? Clune's gone. Um, yeah, gay guy can't oh. make a tackle anymore. And um, who else went there this year? Someone else. Frizzell was the best second round to comp for a month, and now he couldn't be fucked. And the only bloke trying is Frizzell's still having a go. Yeah, that's so probably not fair. And then the only bloke trying is yeah, the only bloke trying is Clemmer, who's been dropped yeah. this week because he refused to come off the field when they tried to hook him. <laughs> so what? What? Like what? What is happening? Well, do you remember at the start of the year as well, Daggy, when we put out our preseason predictions, all the Newcastle fans saying that they're a chance to win the Premiership now because they got rid of Mitchell Pearce. Yeah, and they yeah. fucking ripped into Daggy for tipping them around last. <laughs> and then they started the season on fire and were sort of like, oh, maybe. And then, oh, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah, give it some time, boys. Yeah, I've got the post <laughs> saved somewhere. Don't worry. Yeah, go back basically said, yeah, come back and talk to us like in round eight, 16, 18 and see what's happening then. Yep. Uh, but anyway, good signs. For, look, realistically now, Bulldogs are in a, in a pretty sweet spot. Uh, depending, they're going to have a coach next year. But Dogs will be yeah, in and around the eight next year. They're going to they're better. They're going to easily be better than a lot of these teams. They're going to be fucking up and in, in and around the eight by in the a, end of the season. I would imagine. All, all of a sudden, if they if be they win twelfth, eleventh, tenth, what are they now? Four. They'd they need to keep winning, uh, but I suspect they could be they could be tenth or eleventh. Okay. And all of a sudden, does Mick Potter get a job? Yeah. Pretty sure it's Serraldo. Seems but to be everything you hear. It's Serraldo. I hope they. I hope Serraldo has Potter in his plans because surely you'd look at what he's been able to do with the team. And from all reports, like they actively like Mick Potter and want to play for him. Obviously, can't, yeah. can't help actually keeping him around. I'm sure they will. At, yeah. at least for morale, like yeah. Gus isn't an idiot. Unless he's got someone better to be. Yeah. Make sure he stays. Uh, yeah, how are you can divvy up these points. I had Karaz with three. As I said, game he's never going to forget. Um, he was fantastic. It wasn't like all these tri- tries would just catch the ball and fall over the line either. Um, I had Topine with two. Mm. I thought he was amazing in the field. And then I had uh, Aaron Shoup or Jaden Braley for the one. Probably give it to Shoup. Yeah, but give it to Braley Shoup. definitely needs a mention. He was Not a mention, but like, you can't give a Newcastle player a Point. <laughs> 34 to 8 uh, the Cowboys wrapped up the round finishing over the top well obviously steamrolling by the end of it the uh, the Dragons here barn stats pretty much finishing the Dragons finals chances I would imagine yeah. uh, Dragons one try Cowboys six one out of one conversions played five out of six one out of one penalty attempts for the Dragons 80% completion played 86% 28 out of 35 sets played 32 out of 37. One line break for the Dragons, nine line breaks for the Cowboys. 22 tackle bust to 42, seven offloads to 13. A force dropout from both sides. 321 tackles played 307. One ruck infringement to two. One inside the 10 to two. 500 plus running metres and 147 plus post-contact metres for the Cowboys. Four penalties conceded to seven. 12 errors to seven. McCulloch made 43 tackles, Robson with 44, uh, Moga with 157 running metres, and Drinkwater with 170. 
Hunt missed eight tackles, made seven. Bearden missed four and made 23. Nanai with 158 supercoach points. Drinkwater with 106. Valentine Holmes with 89. And then three other players before you got down to Jack DeBellin for the Dragons on 60. Thought the first half the Cowboys were the better team, but the Dragons fought pretty hard in that first half to stay in the match. But the 40 minutes that they had in them was all well and done and spent in that first half of the game. And then they got ground into the dirt for the next 40 minutes by the Cowboys. Uh, absolutely destroyed in the second half. Um, defensive line was all over the place. The Cowboys attack kicked up a gear with the big name standing up and destroying them. Uh, then I just keep scoring tries for fun. He must have hands like he must have the biggest set of hands you've ever seen. The way he holds the ball and just runs around with it out in front of him. Um, apparently a basketball player when he was a kid, so he's got some pretty good ball control there. Drinkwater and Holmes were just absolutely terrorising the defence consistently all over the field too. It wasn't just down one side of the field; it was through the middle. And Holmes came sort of sniffing around, looking for it all over the place. Jason Tomalolo again, just busting the middle of the field up. He's been fantastic this year. He's back to close to his best form, um, and he's causing all sorts of problems in the middle. Thought Din was very good as well, um, and Chad did his job. He does his job most weeks, as did Robson. Uh, Robson again, uh, very good attacking dummy half. Iku was very good also. Jack DeBellin and Sue are really the only two worth mentioning out of the Dragons team. There's nobody else worth mentioning in this game. Hunt had one of his rare bad games, but you've got to forgive the bloke. He's been carrying 17 blokes, 16 blokes for 20 rounds. So um, you could maybe mention Lomax, but again, it's a few stupid errors out of him. This felt like the, the end of the Dragons season, and I think like they were a squad like held together with... Some leftover chewing gum and Ben some, Hunt tape. Yeah. yeah, some Ben Hunt tape. And I think, like, I think Hook has got more out of them than anyone would have predicted. Uh, it, he'll probably get sacked for it because um, what a what a game we follow. But um, he, this was where like he, he finally rang the last vestiges of juice out in that first half, and it felt like that was it. This might be the end of him. So I, I think, yeah, that. Uh, what are you supposed to say? Yeah, Cowboys put the cleaners through them, as I said at the start. But this, I think, will be the end of the Dragon season, Ollie. Well, it was the quintessential second versus, what are they, 11th? I think it is. If you were to put second versus 11th on paper, this is probably about what you'd expect, the dominant performance, especially in the second half from the Cowboys. I think part of it as well was um, I'm not about to – rag on Ben Hunt at all because overall I think he's going to win this Dalian medal this year and deserves it but this is probably the one game where it's one of his lesser games of the season he was still one of the Dragons better players I'd say he's still but better than the other half of, of, of course <laughs> yeah of, of course and the Ben Hunt they love their one you. time of the year where they get to bag him and they all come crawling out of the wood it's like mate I, I don't want to bag him at all, but like obviously, no, not suggesting it's you. Just... Off, off, yeah, off <laughs> I think this was um, this was his off game when pretty much every other game this year he has had to overperform for the Dragons. He barely touched probably, the ball in the second half. Yeah, like, and, let's and, face it, yeah, yeah, just had all. Yeah, and uh, you know you bring out how Hook sort of wrung that last bit of water out of the Dragons. I think Hunt probably wrung that last bit of water out of him himself at about half time and probably thought. Um, again, it was hard, obviously, with the Cowboys with most of the possession, but sort of run himself a bit dry and thought, yeah, I'm probably, the, obviously, 
didn't actually think this, but subconsciously, I guess you could say, probably thought, yeah, fuck these blokes for a bit because um, <laughs> yeah, like he, he's got he's got a World Cup to get ready for now. He's given everything to this team. He's probably he's probably trying to book an early ticket to England just to get ready for it. But um, yeah, and uh, overall, the, in the second half, the Cowboys just ran him into the. He's going to need two months off before he goes to England. <laughs> yeah, it's called the finals. Oh yeah, like. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the Cowboys, I think overall just ran him into the ground it, as he brought up that all the ball. And I think in attack in that second half, it was pretty much every player seemed to just be tearing the dragons to shreds a bit. And they, they were tired and the Cowboys just got on top of them. And again, it's also a display of the difference in class again, second versus 11th. I think that was well and truly on show in this one. Do you want to give Nano some points here, boys? Yeah, three of them. Mm-hmm. Drink you too. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yep. Perfect. Uh, let's wrap this show up nicely. Check out rugbyleaguemerch.com to get some of these cool-looking hats and beanies and steins and all sorts of stuff. Uh, there's some new gear up uh, across the whole site, so check that out. Uh, do we have a pot plan of the week? Go to Barney first. <laughs> Is he still thinking as well? Crap. And uh, Moan from the Dragons was my pot plan. The bloke played 80 minutes, made three runs, missed eight tackles. And made fourteen. And that's basically all he did. So the pot plant probably would have tripped ten of them over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make it Adam O'Brien because I think a pot plant would have got more out of that team. Um, I'm going to pot plant my supposed lover boy from the start of the year. I think I said he had one good game, um, and that's Jake Clifford in a, in a pot plant of a team. You went on about for him three months. You seriously have to get your timing of things right because I think it was one week I actually said he was playing good. Might have been two then, in a row. Then I think maybe two in a row, I'll give you that. But then I think it might have been the next three months where whenever he got brought up, he was my favourite player, supposedly. But, uh, <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna pot plant my favourite player this week because he was the pot plant in a pot plant of a team that put in a Luckily, we don't record these and uh, keep them for posterity anyway. <laughs> he, was the, he was the super mega pot plant, I think, in a – in a pot plan of a team, as I said, for Newcastle. So I'm going with Clifford. Yeah, well, you got your one to slap then. I do. I have oh, someone else from Newcastle, the coach, Adam O'Brien, <laughs> for his post-game press conference. My God. You know what? I, 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 there's always been, ever since he got brought in as a coach in Newcastle, just like there's something I just don't like. It, like just something <laughs> I don't think he's going to be as good as everyone was hyping him up to be. They've made two final series. I think the first one was with a, a team that was built by Nathan Brown and then Mitchell Pierce came back in the second year and got him there. But anyway, this year it's sort of finally all coming to the fore and when it's finally hit, I'd say rock bottom overall for the Knights, what did O'Brien have to say in the post-match press conference? Oh, I've been a part of a couple of premiership winning teams as an assistant coach and you know I know how they set up their defence and their defensive tactics, so I think we can do that too. Um, yeah, what's that got to do with the price of eggs in China? Because your team is shit. They are nowhere near making a grand final in the next five years if you are there. So if you're, uh, I don't know, if you're praising yourself for being a part of these these tactics that these premiership winning teams are able to bring in, then why aren't the Knights currently in the top four and one of the favourites to win the comp this year? Because it, it would have just papered over some cracks if that had happened. Also, I just want to point out, since... Um... Since he was part of those teams, the rules have changed twenty-seven times. Like you now, there's now if he's still setting up defensive structures for two thousand and nine, um, 
Well, there's some issues with the current, you know, play the ball. There's another point. Whatnot. How many of them have gone backwards since that? Yeah. Oh, well, really <laughs> Directly after, no. But it's like, yeah. And, and you know what? The coaches he was working under, Craig Bellamy and Trent Robinson. Hmm. I wonder who had the biggest influence on those on those premiership winning sides, Adam O'Brien or Craig Bellamy, Adam O'Brien or Trent Robinson. Hmm. I wonder. Well, he got himself on the front page or the back page. So good on him. Uh, do you have someone to slap here, Barn? Oh yeah. Match review committee, mate. How the fuck Nelson, the soft for Solomon, doesn't get a month for what he did. And like just letting away this grubby bullshit with attacking heads on the ground, the cannonball tackle. They may as well slap Joseph Tuppany as well, because he, if you're going to get sent for 10 for punching someone, he should have got hold of Adam Booth, who tried to take his knees out and punched him before he got sent off. <laughs> I, uh, I, you've both stolen all my stuff. I, I match review committee <laughs> for me. Um, what a shambles. Uh, and as a bonus, both Nelson and Jared Weir Hargraves for two blatant dog acts, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so in a week where we've seen blokes get four and five weeks, uh, Two blokes that didn't get suspended can get slapped. For me, uh, let's finish on a good one. I'm going to salute. Who am I going to salute? I need to give some bonus salutes. Uh, first of all, before I get to you, Action Bailey tipped around this week. Giving out salutes everywhere. Yeah. Yes. Action Bailey, nine out of nine, including Parramatta and the Tigers, and declared it. So good job, Action. Good friend of the show. And uh, another loyal listener, Alex, who included the Tigers in his multi and picked up a cool... 1300 and something bucks uh, for his efforts. So check out the big balls on him. Uh, have you got a salute you want to use, Oliver? Well, I actually think of another yes, one. Well, by the way, Alex better be taking us out to lunch somewhere soon. Yeah. But um, my salute is going to be a Tiger. It's going to be Jackson Hastings. Now, I'm not sure if you guys saw Fox's post-match coverage of the game, yeah, but they, they put the cameras on um, a certain moment, which was quite heartwarming after he pretty much broken his ankle and was on one leg. They went to footage of the Tigers players taking photos with fans. Well, Jackson Hastings wasn't taking photos with fans. Someone had got Hastings to take a photo of their group. Like he was the photographer of this group. I <laughs> got a photo with him before it, but I just want to salute him one because it, it's, a, it's a funny heartwarming moment. But two, he's on one leg. He's just broken his ankle and he's happy to do this for the fans. And you know, what? I want to give like a light slap to these fans because I mean, you know, I, I don't think there's nothing necessarily wrong with getting a footballer to take your group photo. They've probably got a good shot, a good positioning because they're on the field and you're in the grandstand, but maybe pick one of the 16 blokes who hasn't just broken their ankle yeah, and is on one should, leg and balance. should be on a fucking on a stretcher bed getting injections. <laughs> and <laughs> But, you know, salute to Jackson Hastings for that. I should confirm it because, like, you hear these stories about how he's out on the outer and this and that. Like, I struggle to believe it because he's – he always speaks well. He's always um, happy for his teammates. He's been Tigers one of the two best players consistently all year. And – um he went out on crutches with a broken ankle and spent half hour after the game wandering around and yeah. taking seems photos. Quite intelligent. He seems quite dedicated. I don't. To I, I don't understand. Obviously, there were issues at Manly, but that was probably more pencil neck than anybody else. So. And he's even owned, he's owned yeah. up to that and said that you know that's that's. Um, There's a young kid. Young kid, and you thing. learn, you go away, and what he did uh, over there, and what he's done coming. I've back seen is, nothing to suggest that he's on the outer for the Tigers. I don't know where no, that comes no, from. It's, you know. The telegram. Good old tiger's clickbait, doesn't it? Yeah, they just run out of gear after a bit. Yeah. You got a salute the for us? old Raza Karaz. Mm. He was fantastic. It was a fucking brilliant performance. As I said, his tries weren't just catch the ball and finish. It was 
beating blokes and powering his way to the line. I mean, and yeah, I, I said it in the in the review of the game. I think he's got a, a massive future ahead of him. He's probably only had one poor game since he's come into first grade, if you would call it that, out of his five or six that he's played. And he, he definitely looks like a, a young fella on the rise. And I'll finish with a salute, just because I have, I can't remember, I don't think we've ever got to do it. I'll salute uh, a Tigers halfback, Jock Madden, who uh, looks every bit of first grade halfback. I may have saluted Luke Brooks that time he kicked a field goal. But anyway, why not? Uh, that's it. It's Footy and Frothies. Check out all the socials, subscribe, leave some feedback uh, wherever we are, across YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, etc., etc. And uh, we'll be back very soon to preview the week ahead. Bye-bye.